You're live. You're live now live. on YouTube. Go over you're to live. YouTube. Go over to YouTube. Morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. If you're listening on podcast and you hear clattering and banging, it is because you are. We are recording this in a live house in a kitchen, and Dina, I think, has has uh, a lot of wax in her ears because I do. I can't hear anything at this right here. Good morning, everyone. How are you all? I have got the most horrendous hangover, and for those of you who know me, that isn't because I've got drunk. Um, the girls have hangovers. It's it's a freshers special curly cooks coming up at ten o'clock today, guys. Freshers. It's 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 back to college. It's survival packs. It's it's store cupboard essentials. It's cheap dishes. It's all that stuff. Good morning, Rio chap. Good morning, Pauline Roberts. Good morning, Siobhan Jordan. Good morning, Ellery Jones. Um, slightly different today insofar as obviously we're going to run through the papers, but I think you could you could feel the newspapers, certainly the front of the mail and uh, the mirror. They, the, the story is brewing and it's, it's like a, a burgeoning spot. It's going to burst tonight with the dispatches. Uh, on TV, uh, a documentary, and um, the story obviously is, is pivoting at the moment around Russell Brand. Now, suffice it to say, the Russell Brand story, any fans of Russell Brand here, let's talk about that first, because we haven't got long, we've got to get out of here tightly uh, in order for the girls to get prepped and get ready. Any Russell Brand fans here, obviously stand-up comedian, uh, had a brief flirtation with Hollywood, um, uh, was famously married to Katy Perry, um, Edward Bevington. I don't usually like Russell Brand, but I don't believe for a second he did anything non-consensual. He's been doing some good videos recently that are on YouTube. Fake news, says Danielle. Uh, Dan uh, Danielle's a fan. I like him. Sharon Wilson. Love Russell Brand. Nicole Weston. Laurel Nichols. I've seen him in stand-up. I like him. Sharon H, not a fan. Ellery Jones, not, not okay. We're pretty much split down the middle. Well, no, we're not. I don't think we are split down the middle. I would say I can't on stream. I'll do a poll, but I'd say we're looking sixty percent favourable, forty percent not. That surprises me. I don't know why that surprises me. Um, I have to. I mean, I've never was particularly a fan necessarily of his stand-up routines. I, I mean, I wasn't a fan, but I didn't dislike him. Um, and I know that he has a huge following and is often kind of marginalized for theoretically uh, sort of promoting conspiracy theories, all this kind of stuff. I have to say, uh, a friend of a friend or friends who themselves really liked him kind of said to me, oh, listen to some of his stuff about some things. And sometimes you listen to him, you think, yeah, I think he's right about that. <laughs> I think he's right about the mainstream press. Stacey Randall, hi, hi, sweetheart. Hope you're well. Sending you lots of love. Um, uh, Gribbleton, he never hides behind a story. He always confronts it head on. Well, that's precisely what he's done today. Um, so tonight there is, uh, well, not allegedly, there is, but there is an, an enormous expose, though at the moment it's not entirely clear whether it's just about Russell Brand or whether it's about the com comedian circuit more generally. That was and this this was the room yesterday. I think, as Nadia has quite accurately said, if you if you're running a ninety minute documentary, let's put it expose, you're going to either have to have an awful lot about Russell Brand, I mean, an awful lot to fill that ninety minutes, or my sense of it is is it is he going to be one part of a broader expose and exploration? 
Um, in the worlds of showbiz and all that kind of stuff, there's also always chatter and chitter about this, that, and the other, and who's, who's, who's involved in what, this, that, and the other all, all the time. No one ever really knows anything. It's, it's chatter. It's, 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 it's gossip. It's like in any workplace scenario, in any industry, people hear this, they hear that. But, but actually, on this one, it's quite interesting in that it feels very closed down and sort of you know the the bat the hatches are battened is it the batten the, they've battened down the hatches um and there isn't too much leakage happening at the moment in terms of what the whole documentary is about so without knowing what the accusations are but knowing that it sounds pretty serious yeah the the doc has been years in the making i, I tell you something i'm interested in elliot gonzalez and this is the this is just a kind of an initial emotional response to when i heard about it i got a little bit kind of angry because i thought okay you know if if wrongdoing has happened here it really needs to be looked into and explored i just want to ask a simple question and i'm not even suggesting there's an answer to this why is it why is it that something has been so long in the making about someone who potentially and possibly, and who knows, has done something wrong? We are, we're going to have to look at the documentary to know, to, to know for ourselves. And it happens to be someone who is so anti-establishment, anti the system, questions, prods, and queries the mainstream narrative. And yet we have so many prime candidates, Prince Andrews, all the kind of all of the kind of controversies that have happened around broadcasting recently where it's almost like people are reluctant to want to go too far into these things but where where, where it's someone who is perhaps a bit of a radical or, or revolution or something that pre presents a, an articulate challenge suddenly there's a real appetite there's a real appetite to go from that now that's a different comment and a different observation to whether if he's done something and he, you know, I think everyone who's done something potentially like whatever is being accused of has to be pulled up and brought out and shown the light. Um, but it does strike me as interesting. So either this is going to be the most remarkable reveal with the most staggering amount of revelations that we are all going to be agog with, with our jaws on the table, or it's going to be, as I say, a broader expose about a culture. And boy, we've, we've heard about toxic cultures in the workplace and all that kind of stuff in recent weeks, haven't we? Um, so, you know, that, that's what we're going to wait and see. But, but in, pre, in preemptive style, Russell Brand has sought to take control of the narrative. Um, this can be seen in one of two ways. If he's guilty of doing something, it's him trying to control the narrative. Uh, or... He's, uh, you know, he feels like a witch hunt is about to happen. And I think that's the narrative he's about to promote. So anyway, let, let's have a look, because at this point, we know nothing. We know nothing. Elliot Gonzalez, I, I get your point. It's interesting, but the others rumoured aren't anti-establishment. I guess we won't know. Are there? Are there? I feel there are others in the bag. The rumours yes. are. There are going to be others. And let's hope that, as, as you rightly say, Elliot, if, the, if, the, if, if they're targeting a group and a sector, let's hope it's done you know, in an equitable fashion. Go for it now. The rumours yesterday at um, TV Centre were that it is the Me Too of comedy. the whole comedy circuit. But as, as Mark said, we don't know. It's we all rumour. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, let's have a listen to, let's have a listen to Russell Brand's um, message that he posted today, uh, last night or this morning. 
Wonders. Now, this isn't the usual type of video we make on this channel where we critique, attack and undermine the news in all its corruption, because in this story, I am the news. I've received two extremely disturbing letters or a letter and an email, one from a mainstream media TV company, one from a newspaper listing a litany of extremely egregious and aggressive attacks, as well as some pretty stupid stuff like uh, my community festival should be stopped, that I shouldn't be able to attack mainstream media narratives on this channel. But amidst this litany of astonishing, rather baroque attacks are some very serious allegations that I absolutely refute. These allegations pertain to the time when I was working in the mainstream, when I was in the newspapers all the time, when I was in the movies. And as I've written about extensively in my books, I was very, very promiscuous. Now, during that time of promiscuity, the relationships I had were absolutely always consensual. I was always transparent about that then, almost too transparent. And I'm being transparent about it now as well. And to see that transparency metastasized into something criminal that I absolutely deny makes me question is there another agenda at play? Particularly when we've seen coordinated media attacks before, like with Joe Rogan, when he dared to take a medicine that the mainstream media didn't approve of. And we saw a spate of headlines from media outlets across the world using the same language. I'm aware that you guys have been saying in the comments for a while, watch out, Russell, they're coming for you. You're getting too close to the truth. Russell Brand did not kill himself. I know that a year ago there was a spate of articles. Russell Brand's a conspiracy theorist. Russell Brand's right wing. I'm aware of news media making phone calls, sending letters to people I know for ages and ages. It's been clear to me, or at least it feels to me, like there's a serious and concerted agenda to control these kind of spaces and these kind of voices. And I mean my voice along with your voice. I don't mind them using my books and my stand-up to talk about my promiscuous, consensual conduct in the past. What I seriously refute are these very, very serious criminal allegations. Also, it's worth mentioning that there are witnesses whose evidence directly contradicts the narratives that these two mainstream media outlets are trying to construct, apparently in what seems to me to be a coordinated attack. Okay, and he goes, and he goes on. So, he's incredibly compelling, isn't he? <laughs> you have to say, I mean, when you listen to it. Um, from what's being said in the comments, I'm not going to repeat some of them, lots of names coming up. Um, this feels like this will be a general exposure. I think one of the complications around the whole Russell Brand story is I'm intrigued to see, as some of you have said, clearly there's the suggestion of criminal activity. Now, criminal activity can only mean one of a few things. It will be sexual assault, could be rape, could be perhaps, um, uh, you know, underage uh, issues, what have you. Um, if those are part of the accusations, then they have to be obviously investigated, looked into, and uh, criminal criminal proceedings presumably have to have to proceed. It'll be interesting to see if it's that, if, it, if these are brand new accusations, I presume they are, otherwise you wouldn't have come out, or whether a lot of what they're saying is going to be about how he has, in his, his terms, taken ownership of what he calls his sex addiction. I think discussions around sex addiction will be coming up again. You know, some very much feel this is cloud cover, the whole sex addiction thing for, uh, you know, justifying bad behavior. Um, sex addiction, addiction is a thing. I have come across it. I have met people who have struggled with it. It is a an absolutely disabling condition for those who have it. And it doesn't always actually 
manifest itself in predatory behavior at all. Um, so, you know, again, so that, that that's a question mark to be had. You know, could there be the suggestion that, you know, that whole part of the Russell Brand sort of profile is some kind of cover or whatever? So it's going to be interesting to unpack this. Obviously, the, do the document d dispatches is on tonight, and I'm pretty damn certain we'll be talking about it later. What do you think, guys? Do you believe him? Do you feel a concerted effort is being made to... What do you think is going on here? I mean, I think if this is the Me Too moment for the comedy world, let's bring on the Me Too moment for the music world too. Because my God, that seems they seem some somehow in the most it's it, it's literally in the public realm almost all the time with the with the music industry. I don't understand why why it hasn't even been they've started to even look into that. Um, what do you think, guys? Uh, Miss Soph, you believe him? Elaine Janolfi, I believe him. Uh, pre-election tripe, says Edward Bevington. Oh, in terms of the papers, you think? Uh, Lucy K, newspapers, people came, to, people to come forward in murder trials as Fortman I wouldn't be surprised if they've created fake news. Uh, MeTube, he did the right thing to get in front of this before the media turns into a circus. I mean, I think, I think so. I think he's done the right thing. I think, you know, it will be read, if, if you don't like him, he, he's, you, that, it's so, you know, you're just going to see it as him trying to kind of obfuscate and get ahead of the story. But I think getting ahead of any story is always is always sensible in a sense. Um, he's brutally honest, says Della Nixon. I believe him. Uh, it's going to be bloody interesting to watch, isn't it? I think he's an easy target, says DK1612. That's kind of what I was saying to Dina earlier this morning. Uh, Elliot, without hearing the allegations, how can we believe him or not? One side, I entirely agree. We know nothing. We know nothing until the show goes out. We know absolutely nothing. And to be brutally honest, even once the show has gone out, we won't necessarily know everything. So um, so let's let's push on with other news. So obviously in the papers today, uh, there he is. Yes, I've been very, very promiscuous, but relationships are always consensual. He's obviously, there's got to be, in, given that he said that, some suggestion that he's obviously, <laughs> they've been non-consensual, obviously. Um, so, yeah, the other big news to TV brand, these are serious claims. I totally refute them. Comic in shock bid. Wow. It's going to be another massive story. Um, divided Britain. This story I pulled only because this, this is happening not, not to a million miles away from us in Peckham. This is a big story insofar as, well, the story itself is up for debate. Allegedly, the woman in the neck brace there is uh, was shoplifting or was taking something or was having it. I don't think she was shoplifting. I think she was disputing a receipt. Um, and he then took it upon himself to escort her in a very physical way out of the shop. Now, see, it, it, this is a reminder of those. There used to be an advert years ago in the 70s. I think it was for The Observer where you saw a skinhead running down the street and you thought they were going to attack someone. And what they were actually doing was rescuing someone from falling scaffolding. And it was about saying, you know, that behind the, the sort of obvious photograph of the top image of something, there's often a different story. And I think this is this story, we keep seeing the CCTV footage in London. Um, you know, what is the full story? Of course, a paper like the Mail, I don't, without wishing to sound like Russell Brand, seizes upon this as a great opportunity to describe, um, uh, to, to use the headline, divided Britain. Um, and again, this is all about at what point has the Daily Mail really ever cared massively about, um, you know, underrepresented cultures? Uh, not really. Um, so suddenly they're now concerned about a divided Britain. This this suits the right wing narrative that too much cultural diversity leads to this kind of stuff. It just I just find it so obvious. It makes me breathless 
how people gobble this stuff up in order to buttress their prejudices. So it just drives me mad. Reese Roberts, this is a very contentious issue in the black community. Black people are even more irate about this, given that most black hair care shops in London are not owned by black people. Yes, so you're right. The woman was buying something. Was it a braid or a? Um, it was some aspect of, of, yeah, of what she wanted to wear in her hair. And um, it was weird. You know what's really weird? I was in Peckham, I think the day that this story broke, and I, there was a guy standing in the doorway of a shop and he was looking really angrily at people passing by. And it was a it was an odd dynamic. I felt something it was just weird to see a story develop about something that I almost kind of felt like I'd almost seen. Um, but separate to the ins and outs of that, I don't know what you think, Reese. I just think it's interesting the way in which this story gets seized upon by the right wing press to to further that narrative about migration and multiculturalism and and actually, you know, rather than showing any positive imagery. It has to be an image of a man dragging a woman out. Yeah, it's, oh, it's just, oh, it's just all so freaking obvious. It makes me sick. Uh, so there you go. It's divided Britain. Um, obviously, the other big story is Rishi vows to ban American XL bully dogs after two uh, more man to death. This story, I mean, huge pragmatic problems here is most dogs are hybrids and mongrels and are crossbreeds, right? How are they? How are they? How are they going to be able to? How are we going to be able to absolutely? I mean, even in the discussion of this topic earlier in the week, lots of messages coming in under the live saying, "Do you mean a bulldog? Do you mean a uh, bull mastiff? You know, bully?" No, this is the XL bully dog. I presume XL means extra large. Uh, we've talked a lot about this. Dog licenses. Dog licenses. Um, Nadia suggested earlier today keeping dogs on leads, which I immediately thought, well, that's a really simple idea. But then who's going to want to enact that if you see someone without a dog on a lead? The police? Are we asking the police to do that? And we're asking them to also manage wolf whistling in the street? They Pragmatically, how is this going to work? So Sunak announcing a ban on XL bully dogs. All that will happen is breeders will find a way around the edges of what the breeds of the dogs are, what the types of dogs are. And it's not just that one type of dog that's the problem. It's the dog owners. And Illing, how can they ban these breeds? They need more control on large breeds as they do in Spain. Absolutely agree. Uh, and so here you have, uh, I'm going to rattle through the news because obviously the Russell Brand thing, killer dogs to be banned on the front of the mirror. Uh, Rio Chapa, they're going to force the owners to put their dogs down. If so, that's despicable when many dogs are good-natured. Um, Daniel Lee, more often than not, it's the owner rather than a dog. How will they police it? Absolutely agree. Uh, just another, I want to mention Libya once more. There was, a, I was listening to the radio yesterday, Radio 4 reporting that at the main airport, uh, one of the airports, in one, one flight arrived with aid. One flight arrived with aid and when they saw what aid was coming off the flight they were masks that was it what they're asking for in the epicenter is body bags not food or water they're having to in libya it's so bad they're having to now close off the area where most of the kind of bodies are due to infection disease it's an absolute evolving catastrophe and uh this is you know, this is what happens when, you know, I don't want to say it, but, you know, sometimes what might suit the West in terms of upsetting the regimes in other countries has no comprehension of the complexities of how other regimes in other countries maybe sometimes need to be held together to hold a country together. So Libya, I think, is falling down the cracks of everyone assuming it's someone else's 
thick problem to be dealt with. It's just tragic, absolutely tragic. Uh, so that's Libya in the press. Um, okay, light, let's get to lighter news. So uh, the EU is coming for Paddington's marmalade. Uh, sticky situation, they say. Oh, little Paddington bear there. Um, it, it's going to be renamed, apparently due to the EU. I thought, I thought these kind of things didn't... I thought this was one of the joys of being sort of marginalised and sort of castigated from the world stage was that we could call things marmalade. But uh, apparently not. It's going to be renamed citrus marmalade due to... Um, uh, some EU directive. They're facing a sticky decision on whether to follow Brussels or dodge the reforms. Well, you know what? As everything in the world is going to shit, let's make sure we can protect being able to call marmalade marmalade. It's so important. <laughs> God almighty. Um, the gig's up for chatty music. But what do you think of this, guys? Gig etiquette. If you go to a gig, I, I sometimes wonder whether you should, whether there should be seats at a gig. Should, should gigs just all be about standing up and dancing? Uh, this is uh, the need for an etiquette guide for gig audiences became clear to Lucy May Walker as she introduced a song about losing her baby. So, look, she had a gig etiquette list. Don't talk during the show. Be in the moment. The audience have not paid to see you. Have an amazing time. Now, that this, this list of requirements for a gig kind of reminded me, you know, when you get in a swimming pool, you start having fun and then someone goes, oh, no, look, look, look at what you're not allowed to do. And actually it says basically don't do anything. Don't dive, don't jump, don't laugh, don't hug, don't squeeze, don't swim. Don't laugh. Gig etiquette. Don't talk during the show. I mean, there was a very famous incident, wasn't there, at the Ronnie Scott's or something where I think Nina Simone just stopped the entire gig because someone happened to kind of, I think they said they liked a song or something like that. Um Ellery Jones, I have a friend who makes homemade marmalade. I'll get mine from her. Uh, mobile phones ruin things. You know what, Rio chap? Uh, we were at a gig recently, and I, I, the, the mobile phones in the crowd are quite, there's quite a visual thing. I quite, there was something quite nice about it. I don't know. Um, this story is, what's this? Outrageous. This is outrageous. £395 top prize for West End play reignites row over sky-high theatre tickets. It's ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. <laughs> Just because some people, basically, I mean, even David Tennant, I talked about this, came out the other day and he was in the, he apparently was in a show or he's doing something and he looked at the crowd and he thought, where the hell's the theatre crowds of tomorrow? Because at the moment, all I'm doing is performing to middle class, white principally, uh, very, very wealthy uh, audiences. Where are the youngsters? Where, where's the diversity? Um, so I'm just rot All right, Freshers Week. Let's get to some important stuff. They're preparing some wonderful, wonderful Freshers food over there. But look at this. There's a story here that more than a third of students, Dina and Nadia, are now shunning alcohol. More than a third of... Yeah, they say they're non-drinkers, meaning that university unions are having to adapt their events. I could never have done that. I'm sorry. I mean, even for me, Freshers is all about total bedlam. Do you know, has anyone here got anyone going through Freshers? Uh, Dawn Decker is elitist, the whole, the whole theatrical thing. It's ridiculous. That's good, Michi. It is good. This is fantastic. The idea that you don't have to get annihilated drunk. Freshers' week. Well, uh, yeah, they don't ask the quite good point. Hear that, Nads there? Saying, but could it because there's more drugs? You're right off mic. But yeah, alcohol is extraordinarily expensive. So could it be that kids are smoking spliff more, taking ket, um, dropping acid, eating mushrooms? So they might not be drunk, but they basically are trying to eat each other because they all look like hamburgers. Um, yeah, I mean, 
this has got to be a good thing. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, freshers, freshers is a deeply disturbing thing. On one, on in one, on one sense, it's it's great fun and silly and hilarity, and it's great fun. But actually, there is a dark underbelly to Freshers Week. I mean, one only has to remember the phrase which was always trotted around at college, which was "F-U-C-K a Fresher Week." That's what it is known as in colleges. Which, if you think about that in this in our modern sort of modern world. Oh my God, really? It was just, you know, it was a time where basically it's, it's like spring break, isn't it? Any Americans here? Spring break is sort of total bedlam. And within that sort of hedonistic, nihilistic bedlam, of course, all sorts of mistakes are made and boundaries are crossed and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I think you're right. It is. I think it's good to see that there's an aspect. But as Nadia says, maybe they're all just stoned. They might not be drinking, but maybe they're all stoned. Um in the week that saw the two of the most ridiculous um, alien corpses ever known to man, uh, the sun is telling us that basically Yorkshire is our hotbed of extraterrestrial activity. E.T. Bargum. Yorkshire is UFO sighting hotspot. Apparently there are more and more sightings. Have, I'm going to ask you now. Has any of you, have any of you seen a UFO? Come on. Tell us. Have any of you actually had a UFO experience? Come on, hit us with it. Hit us, hit us, hit us with it. Freshers, freshers week. It's like freshmen. You're a freshman, undergraduate, you're starting, you're fresh at college. Everything about the word freshers. This is a fresh new beginning. It's a fresh new life. It's a fresh new start. I'm, you know, and that you're fresh. And because you're fresh, you're also naive. That's, that's, that's the rather horrible aspect. A Rio chap has a friend who has. Ah. Um, seen a UFO. This is an interesting headline. I think the girls, the Curly Cooks Lover health headline. Um, yeah. a, a new study has shown that Alzheimer's, yeah. the disease, what actually happens in the brain cells is it Alzheimer's tells the brain cells to commit suicide. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah they uh, Alzheimer's causes brain cells to commit suicide on themselves. Wow. So they kill themselves. Oh God, I don't know. I just found that sort of description as quite quite compelling. Uh, I'm going to dodge. I'm going to jump past that. Let's get to some light-hearted stuff. TV Fred is up for the jungle. See that nice play on the Frenchness. But the chef may hate the menu. This is uh, Fred. Is it Siro or whatever his name is? Uh, Fred Siray, Sirex. Yeah, I like him in first dates. He's he's he doesn't say much, but he's an incredibly friendly person, isn't he? At the door to sort of say hello. Uh, so, yeah, it looks like he might be joining them in the jungle. Um, right, who remembers this story? EasyJet Romp was a one-flight stand. He met her on the plane, and his mother found out about his one-night stand in the Mile High Club when she saw it online. The Mile High sex lad filmed romping with a woman had just met on an EasyJet flight. I didn't even get her number. Good God. Good God. And I think that's his mum standing behind him looking a little bit a little bit judgy. This was sad. Hugh Jackman and his wife have split after 27 years. You know, those you often get those marriages, don't you, in Hollywood where you think, oh, despite all the madness of the Hollywood lifestyle and all the temptation and all the excess and what have you, there's real people in there. Oh, and that's ended. Nuts and jolts. Snack can boost female sex lives, apparently. Eating nuts boosts sex lives. Well, Nadia loves nuts. 
So she must be having a great, great time. Scientists found folic acid can raise your sex drive and even improve orgasms. So let's see. Hope there are some nuts in today's curly cooks, eh? Um, but there won't be any orgasms. Don't worry about that. Um, I've just made Dina vomit. Um, oh, she's eating nuts. Oh, my God. She's literally got a cashew in her mouth. Um, what kind of a nut is it? Three? Oh, um, and here's some photos for those of you listening. I'm sorry. Uh, I just love this photo of some sheep. Look at this. Sidaways, a family of ranchers in South... Uh, some of the thousands of sheep owned by a family in South Idaho. That's rather beautiful, isn't it? Uh, and this meteorite crater on Irish Beach. Some, some chap thought he'd found a meteorite crater, but it wasn't. They just dug a hole. I don't know why that assumption hadn't been made much, much, much earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... Remember, when you dig a hole, there'll be some naive chap somewhere wanting it to be a meteorite, probably me. Uh, and this chap is very proud of, of his sizable and award-winning haggis. I couldn't be made to eat haggis if you held a gun to my head, and this image makes me want to eat it even less. But boy, he looks happy about that haggis, doesn't he? Yeah. And finally, a beautiful image here of Corfe Castle. I think Corfe Castle is possibly one of the most picturesque places in the UK. Absolutely stunning when you get that morning fog. So there you go, guys. So as I say, we're going to go to the Curly Cooks in 15 minutes. Um, we hope you have fun. It's nice that we're going to have a live one. You know, we're going to be able to interact. Obviously, any issues with tech, with uh, with the um, power of the internet and all that kind of stuff, we'll be flicking off and flicking back on. Come and join us in 15 minutes for that. And as I say, we will be giving you some, we will be looking at, watching, discussing whatever is in this dispatches later today. So we'll see you there. So I'm now going to do that thing where I sign off and simply look at you so that we're not cut off in mid-sentence. <laughs>